Hey, my name is Jason Byler. I'm the pastor of Life Change Church. Thank you so much for checking out our podcasts. I believe that if you'll listen to them, uh, that you will be blessed. Mark 4 tells us that the Word of God uh, planted down inside of our hearts uh, can bring forth a rich, beautiful, abundant harvest in our lives. This is my desire uh, for you. Uh, so as you listen to the Word, just receive it. Let it get down in your heart. Bring forth a harvest. Thank you so much again for listening. God bless you. Praise the Lord. I think after all that, I'll just move right into the, into the Word. No. We're thankful for, um, thankful for the ability to come together and have a really good time, right? Amen. Uh, so thankful for the presence of the Lord as, as we've gathered in, in worship. Um, like to continue uh, the, uh, the series, The Three Houses. Um, I want to jump back into Matthew 21. I, I, want to, uh, I want to read down through that again, and I, and I want to get us to, to the tree uh, there in Matthew 21. I, I guess maybe if I were to title a message, and I, I really don't often do that, um, but if, if I were this morning, uh, maybe it would be a, a tale of two trees. Um, I'm, I'm incredibly creative, aren't I? It's just, yes. Yeah. Um, so we'll get into Matthew 21 here, uh, the three houses, uh, and uh, and let's get to this. Let's get to this tree again uh, here in this story. Uh, as you as you are, you know, because we've been talking about this. You you remember this is the uh, triumphal entry Palm Sunday, um, which is right around the corner. Uh, by the way, uh, so. Um, stir up the inviter uh, in you as, as we near Palm Sunday and Easter. Uh, this is a wonderful time to make a life-changing choice uh, and, and invite others to come to church with you. They, they may say yes, uh, and, then, and then at church they may say yes to Jesus uh, and, uh, and transform their lives uh, for generations to come. Matthew uh, 21 12. Now, now Jesus is going to enter into the temple. So Jesus enters the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. Uh, he overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. In verse 13, he quotes uh, the prophet Isaiah and uh, says this, uh, it is written, uh, but by the way, Jesus is all the time doing this, all the time saying, uh, it is written. Um, and as his disciples, that needs to be more us too. We need to all the time be, we need to know what's written and it needs to be in our heart and out of our mouths. We need to, it, it is written. I have absolutely no desire to be politically correct and there's no call of God on my life to be politically correct. But there absolutely is a desire and a call of God on my life to be biblically correct. And, and those two don't agree in our day and age, which is the reason for all the trouble, by the way. You turn around our America, our America, uh, uh, we, could, we could put away the politically correct and become biblically correct again, and that would solve our problems. Everybody's, everybody's scratching their head. What do we do about everything? It's not difficult. 
God's told us what to do about everything. If we just do it, it'll take care of it. Hallelujah. Um, we, need, we need to be it is written people. And, and so here Jesus says, it is written, he said to them, my house, it's a powerful statement, will be called a house of prayer, but you're making it into a den of robbers. Jesus says, first of all, this, this isn't your house, it's mine. And this is what my house is supposed to be. It is supposed to be a house of prayer. Now, we, we've learned through this series that, that when we come into the new covenant, uh, because of the coming of our Savior, because of His blood and His suffering, His death, His burial, His resurrection, there is a new covenant, and in the new covenant, His house isn't anymore one made by man out of wood and stone and gold, but His house now is flesh and blood. It's made by God. It's you and I. It's, it's, it's the church. It's, it's the believer, the individual believer. It's the gathering together of the saints as, as a believing family, Joy and I and our believing children, God's house. Me, God's house. You a believer, God's house. Us together, God's house. The, the three houses. And, and this helps us so tremendously because it, it, it gives us uh, answers to our identity and to our purpose. I am not my house, I'm his. I didn't form and fashion me, he did. He has the right, because he made me, to tell me who I am and what I'm called to do. And this house, has, it has unique purpose. Uh, I'm created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for me to do that are unique to me. But it also has a like purpose with all of the other houses, and, and a major part of that is to pray. We're, we are houses of God, and we are called to pray. We are to be houses of prayer. So, so, so I'm God's house, and a major part of my purpose is to be a man of prayer. And my family is God's house, and a major part of our purpose is to be a house of prayer. And the church, we know this, it's God's house. It's his church. It's his house formed and fashioned and made by him. But by the way, I know I've said this, but it's worth saying again, this needs to be known, it needs to be said, that the church is not man-made, it's God-made. It's his idea, it's his church, he builds it. And the family, marriage, it's not a man-made organization. It's not a man-made idea. This is God's idea. This is God's house. He made it. He formed it. He fashioned it. So he tells us what it is. And anything outside of, of what God has said it is means it's not that anymore. Anything outside of what God has said family is, what God has said marriage is, isn't anymore marriage or family. God made it, he, he defines it. And it is to be a house, a house of prayer. Take a coffee break and calm myself down a little bit. I didn't think I was going to get this wound up. Hallelujah. 
and, and, and I'm holding back, by the way. Mm. Don't hold back. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So, so we know all this, right? We've, we've been over this. So pushing forward here. As we, as we push forward into this, um, this is the, the story continues. Where are we? Verse 14. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and, and he healed them. Uh, but when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the... <laughs> it's, so, it's so funny to me. So sad. When they saw the wonderful things he did, and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Man, he's doing wonderful things. I'm very upset about this. It shows shows that there's something like wrong and missing and off in their character and in their makeup. It's like Acts chapter four, right, where they 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 can't deny the miracles that have taken place. Uh, when Peter and John came to the temple and raised up the man, they can't deny that these two have been with Jesus. Everything is saying this is right and just and true, and still they want to stop it and tell them to stop preaching Jesus. They see these wonderful things that are going on, and, and, they're, and they're trying to take it. They, they become indignant. Verse 16. And, and So they speak to Jesus. Do you hear what these children are saying, they asked him. Yes, replied Jesus. Uh, have you never read? Now, now he's going to quote Psalm 8. Have you, have you never read? Again, it is written uh, from the lips of children and infants. You, Lord, uh, have called forth your praise or you have ordained praise. And uh, if you were to go and read uh, Psalm 8, the psalm continues there to say that it, is, that it is the praise of children and infants has the power to shut the mouth of the enemy. Verse 17, and he left them and went out of the city to Bethany, to Bethany uh, where he spent the night. Early in the morning, as Jesus was on his way back to the city, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree uh, by the road, he went up to it, but found nothing on it except leaves. And then he said to it, may you never bear fruit again. Immediately the tree withered. Jesus comes to the fig tree and speaks to the fig tree, may you never bear fruit again. And the fig tree uh, withers. When the disciples uh, saw this, they were amazed. You know, absolutely. Uh, and, and, and they ask a question. How did the fig tree wither so quickly, they asked. How, how in the world did you do this? Now Jesus answers, but, but remember, he doesn't answer the question. He, he gives them the answer that they need. And he says to them this. He says, truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but you can also say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. Verse 22 if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. So Jesus makes this powerful statement to them in answer to their question. That He says that, that what I've just done, you can do. It doesn't matter how it was done. What matters is that I did it and so can you. And if you believe and don't doubt, you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done for you. Whatever, if you believe, when you pray, you'll receive whatever you ask for in prayer. So, so now we know that, 
that not only am I God's house, and this is to be a house of prayer, but, but if, I will, if I will pray in faith, if I will pray believing, that when I pray in faith, that when I pray believing and, and not doubting, there is power in my prayers, that my prayers are powerful and effective. That, that God moves and he gives and he shifts and he changes and he'll cause something to wither, some tree to wither and some mountain to move if I pray in faith, pray believing. Now, now I am in no way saying that we can take this and manipulate God. That's not what Jesus is saying. That's not what I'm preaching I'm not going to say that, that we can twist God's arm and, and use this verse to get God to do for me what I want him to do, to get God to give me what I want him to give me. The, the key to this, remember we learned, is walking in the will of God. It's what Jesus said when he said, it's not about me, I don't live to please me, I'm just living to please the Father. Right, I'm not going to go say to some mountain, move, because I want a valley there so I can build my dream home. And, and, and put a big sign up that says, Jason. It's, it's not that. It's not about me, my honor, my glory, my name, my desires, my dreams, my wants. It's him, his glory, his honor, walking in his will. Now, if I need a valley so that I can build an orphanage in a foreign country and take care of children and train them up in the way that they should go, and God said there should be a valley there, then I can say to that mountain, move, and that thing will move and go throw itself in the sea because I'm, I'm, I'm in his plan, his purpose, walking according to his will. I'm not, I'm not preaching some kind of get God to do what I want him to do. I'm preaching walking in God's will in faith believing, I can pray, and when I pray, those prayers are powerful and effective. Right? It's James chapter 1 where James tells us, if you lack wisdom, you should ask God for it. God wants to give it to you. He says, but, but when you pray, believe and don't doubt. Because somebody who doubts is, 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 is double-minded. And, and they, should, they shouldn't think that they're going to receive anything from God. So, I know that God wants me to have wisdom so I can pray that prayer in faith because I know that I need wisdom in order to walk in his will and to do the things that he's called me to do. So, so we learned that, we, that when we pray, we've got to pray in faith, that we're going to pray believing, and, and this house, a house of prayer, praying in faith, that that's powerful, that is effective. We see this in Scripture, you know, last time I preached, George, George was last Sunday, I was the, before that, um, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get back on what Joy uh, preached uh, last Sunday, but, but let me catch us up first. When I pray believing, Jesus says this again and again, that those prayers, they're powerful, they are effective, right? We, we, remember, we went to Elijah and when he prayed and asked fire to come down from heaven and consume the altar, he said something very interesting in his prayer. He said, I'm, I'm just doing what you commanded me to do. He said, this isn't about me or even my idea. You're the one that told me to go and do this. I'm doing it. Now, Lord, can you send fire down here? And pff, fire comes. You like the sound effects? 
Man, you even got sound effects this morning. So when we pray, we pray in faith. We believe those prayers are powerful and effective. Now, there's, there's something else that Jesus says that when he says we do this, he says that it also leads to God giving us what we pray for, and that is, that's togetherness. It's, it's unity. It's when we are together in agreement. That's Matthew 18. So let's go read Matthew 18. Matthew 18, uh, 15. Remember, God's, God's a God of, of, of unity. God's a God of together. He's a God of oneness. He's a God of order. And so he gives us, he, he knows that there's going to be bumps and difficulties in relationships. And so, so he helps us here. Uh, this is Jesus speaking um, with, with togetherness, with, with unity, and shows us that it's something we've got to work on. He says, if your brother or sister sins, uh, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. So you're working to resolve conflict. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church, uh, the, the, the assembly, the gathering together, the ecclesia. Hallelujah. If they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. You've, you've, you've put forth effort, you've worked, you've done everything Jesus said to do. They are not going to uh, connect or reconcile, you know, so, so you're going to just have to... to uh, to um, turn them over to uh, to the Lord and 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 you know continue to pray for them and believe. Um, verse eighteen. Now he's going to say this powerful statement that he made uh, in verse in verse sixteen about and in chapter sixteen about the church. He says, "Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven." Verse nineteen again. Truly, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. So God is, when, when we're together in his name, there he is with us. And when we ask in unity, when we ask in agreement, when we pray in togetherness, then God, then Jesus says again here, it's, 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 it's the same as the, as the uh, praying in faith and believing. It's, it's a powerful statement. He says again here, he says that, that it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. So we see from these two passages of Scripture that, that this house of prayer and this house of prayer, and this house of prayer, that when we pray, we're to pray believing. We're to pray in faith. That, that, that one of the enemies of prayer is doubt that we've got to deal with. And doubt can come in and, and, and affect the power and the effectiveness of our prayers. But it's not only faith and doubt. It's also division and unity separation and togetherness, that, that when we pray together, 
and there's unity, there's, there is agreement that then if there's two of us and there's unity and there's agreement when we pray that what we pray will be done for us by our Father in heaven. Now, now, now we have uh, the importance of unity and faith. Faith and unity and we've identified the enemies of doubt and the enemies of division. We wonder sometimes why these two things are what the enemy so tries to bring against us and infect us with. Doubt and division. Because doubt and division come in and so affect the power and the effectiveness of our prayers. There's so much doubt among the people of God these days. And Lord, there's a lot of division. And we wonder why our prayers are not powerful and effective. Because when we pray, it's got to be faith. And it's got to be agreement. It's got to be unity. It's got to be together. Now, as I've, as, I, as I've been studying this, um, I've been studying, I've, I've studied this word agree, agreement, and, and, and it's really the key to the whole thing. It's not that we're just together praying. It's that we're, that we're united in agreement, in unity, in togetherness when we pray. Uh, this, this word in the, in the, in the New Testament Greek um, is pronounced, um, I'm, I'm not great at all this kind of stuff, but let me give it a shot here. It's pronounced sumphonio, uh, sumphonio, okay, maybe a little bit wrong, but that's my, that's my shot at it right there. Uh, my dad, I should have called him and asked him, but I didn't. Sumphonio, and, and the word sum, that part of it, uh, means together. It means that, that you're connected, that you're, that you're together. And, and phonio means sound. So it is a, it is a together sound. And it's, it's, not a, it's not a sound that's together, but it's, it's, a, it's a sound that is in unity. It's a sound that is uh, together in, in, in agreement. It's, a, uh, it's, it's harmony. It's not, a, it's not a, everyone together making a, a sound, that would be a noise, but it's everyone together and their sound is together and that's, a, that's harmony. It, it's from this word that we get the word symphony, right? And, and, and symphonies are beautiful, music to our ears things that, that you, could take, you could take actually very talented musicians and bring them together and say, hey, play. play. Whatever you want to play, play it. And they all begin to play something. And even though they're very talented and individually they're playing something beautiful, all of them together playing something different would just be a noise. But if you, but if you take them and you bring them together and they're in agreement and they play in harmony, then, then it becomes something that is one of the most beautiful things that you've ever heard uh, in your life, there's, you, you know, when you hear it, it's, 
music to your ears. A beautiful, beautiful sound. And this is what, this is what Jesus is talking about right here. It's not that they're just together. It's that there's, that there's harmony, that they're making a beautiful sound uh, together, that nobody's just doing their own thing, that they recognize the unity and the giftings and the talents and the togetherness, and I'm playing my part, and Joy's playing her part, and Elizabeth's playing her part, and we're together in unity, in harmony, and it's a beautiful symphony. It's not just, you know, Psalm 133 is not just brothers and sisters together, it's brothers and sisters together in unity in harmony, in agreement, working hand in hand, playing each other's part, playing their part and the other playing their part, bringing forth this beautiful sound. And it's not when we pray like that, it's, it's music, I think, to God's ears. And Jesus says that when that happens and, 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 and you throw faith in the mix, that God, God hears and God moves. That is powerful when we pray that way. That, that we not only pray in faith, but that we pray in togetherness. Now, we see this, uh, we see this actually in Mark's account of, of the fig tree um, that we just read in Matthew's account. So let me, let me read Mark's account for you uh, here quickly. I'm, I'm like moving fast because I know where I want to get to and I'm not close there yet. Help me, Jesus. That was a prayer in faith. I didn't hear a lot of agreement, though, so that kind of excites me. Okay, in, in the morning, as they went along, they saw a fig tree. the fig tree withered uh, from the roots, and Peter remembered and said uh, to Jesus, uh, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Now Jesus, now Jesus speaks, have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they said will happen, it will be done for them. So Jesus is saying again, you know, it's this, it's this, you can do this too. If you believe and have, and have faith. And then he says, therefore, I tell you that whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Now, on Mark's account, Mark, Mark writes how Jesus pushed a little bit further and brought the, the unity, relationship, togetherness into the picture. 25, verse 25. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, by the way, this is one of the good reasons to, to go and, and stand praying, or, or kneel. Um, I, think, I don't think we have to stand all the time when we're praying. When you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, when you come to pray, the Lord will help you to see if you hold anything, if there's any, instead of agreement, division there. He says, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. So, Jesus brings into the picture here that there's, that there's going to be this need for unity, this need for forgiveness, and that that's not going to happen without forgiveness. You've, you've got to receive forgiveness, and as you have freely received, 
you've got to freely give. There's, there has to be uh, forgiveness if there's going to be agreement, if there's going to be togetherness, if there's going to be unity. Go ahead and try to be married without forgiveness. Give it a shot. It's going to be difficult. You may stay together. I don't know. There's not going to be a beautiful sound. Not going to be wonderful harmony. You know, because we're, we're flesh and blood people. I'm not trying to make excuses for us. But, but we have our issues, each and every one of us. And we bump. And there's difficulty. There's conflict between brothers and sisters, even brothers and sisters in Christ. So if there's going to be agreement, and there has to be, right, for powerful prayers, for a beautiful symphony sound to, to arise to the Lord, then there must be forgiveness. Now, interesting, if we go back to Matthew 18, that right after Jesus says this, that it's, it's right there that Peter asks the question, about forgiveness, and Jesus goes in to the answer about forgiveness. Peter kind of, it's like he recognizes, okay, Jesus is saying something huge here. This is very important. How in the world will this take place without forgiveness? And he's, and he's got some thoughts and some ideas on forgiveness. So going back to Matthew uh, 18. Thank you guys for jumping around the Word of God with me. Back to Matthew 18, Jesus speaks to us of agreement and unity and that if we ask and there's two of us and then if there's two or three of us gathered in, in his name that he's there with us and then verse 21, this is where Peter asks uh, this question and in asking this question, Peter really reveals something for us uh, that can be a major issue in the church among Christians that we each have to deal with in our lives. This is what Peter says. Uh, Peter, Peter then came to Jesus uh, and asked, um, and, and interesting, right, as he asked this question, he's also going to answer it. He says, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me up to seven times? He says, God, you know, Probably if this is going to happen, there's going to need to be some forgiveness, right? But how many times should I forgive? Seems like seven's a good number to me. And Jesus answers and says, I tell you not seven, but 77 times, or seven times uh, 77, or there's just not a number. You know, we're not going to sit around and make a chart, make up a chart, you know, and, and uh, put somebody's name up there and seven check boxes or 77 check boxes and, okay, forgave them, forgave them, forgave them, forgave them, forgave them, I forgave them, I forgave them, forgiven, 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 whoo, 77 times. Done with that. Not going to be forgiven anymore. That's over and done. He, he's saying, that's not what you're to do. But he, but he does. With the measure that you forgive, you'll be forgiven. Right? So if that's what you want seven times, then, then 
you might expect that God would make a chart for you, right? And do you want God to make a chart for you? Do you want it to be seven times? Do you want it to be 77 times? Do you want it to be 470 times? Or whatever that is when you multiply that. I'm not a math whiz. Mm. I can just work a calculator, you know? Hallelujah. Bless that man. Whoever invented a calculator, Lord bless him. You know, him and the air conditioning guy. And whoever first ground coffee. Thank you, Jesus. I'm sorry, I just got distracted. I feel like that was the Holy Spirit, though. Ain't nothing wrong with a calculator. Praise the Lord. I don't even know how to write it down anymore. You know, Elizabeth asked me a question. I'll be like, what's that over there? Oh, yeah, that's a 48.627. Yeah. Uh, What was I talking about? No, there's like a spirit of funny on the church today, maybe. You know. <laughs> it's Sarah's fault. <laughs> you, you'll take credit for that, right? You're like, yeah. Um, yes, hallelujah. Me too. Praise the Lord. Isn't it good to be together with family and have a good time? Yes. Thank you, Jesus. That's what the early church did, right? Acts chapter 2. They got together and they had a good time. That should be it. We should be together having a good time. Maybe that was Holy Spirit-led. Thank you, Lord. And, and if there's forgiveness, there's a good time. It's not a number. Jesus said, Peter says, I think it should be a number. Jesus says, it's not a number. You don't want a number on you. We don't put a number on somebody else. So, so we see a problem here. Reveals a problem for us. One that, one that really is in the church. Really, really, Christians can stumble in uh, to this, and, and it, really, it really affects our unity and everything else and, uh, and our forgiveness. And, and here it is. We, we're kind of okay with forgiveness, this forgiveness, but we're not really okay with this kind of forgiveness. Right? I mean, we understand that we can't really put a number on it. But then when we've got to live it out in real life, we kind of like Peter's version of forgiveness more than Jesus' version of forgiveness. And this, this reveals the trouble at the heart of everything that even a Christian has to be careful of. And in order to see that, we've got to, remember I said it was a tale of two trees, right? In order to see that, we've got to remember another tree. So let's go all the way back to Genesis. Again, thank you for jumping around the scriptures with me. Genesis chapter 2, um, let's, let's drop into to the creation story here in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, where God's already created the heavens and the earth and has, has made a garden and man and has placed Adam in the garden. And, then the, and, the, and, the, and the Lord's going to speak. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. This is before, this is before the fall. God's taken the man. He put him in a garden and he gave him purpose. To, to work and care for that garden. So, so the man is in a beautiful place and he has a beautiful purpose. 
and the Lord God commanded the man. So now here comes a command, right? And we're all like, oh man, I was looking for something to throw, but I didn't want to throw anything of that. We've got a command. I mean, now we're in the garden, and here we go with a command. But the command is only, it's only one. It's only one. That's important to remember, right? We say, man, God's got all these kind of restrictions on me. It's no fun to be a Christian. No, we're back in Jesus to the only one. Only one command. This is what he says. He commanded the man, you are free. That's a good one, isn't it? You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Made this beautiful garden, all kinds of beautiful trees. Adam, you're free. This is what God desires for us. And freedom is, is essential to togetherness, to unity, Freedom is an essential part of abundant life. It's what God has for us. And remember, it's in Christ Jesus that we are now free again. And we are free in Christ. We are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but we are not free to eat of the knowledge of good and evil. That is still a problem. That is still off limits. And like it brought death and separation and destruction then, it brings death and separation and destruction now. So, so Adam was free. Any, anything he wanted to do, work the garden, swim in the four rivers, climb the trees, play with the animals, eat, whatever he wanted to do. And, and, and we know, as we read further, that not only... Not only was he free to do that, but he was free to have fellowship with the Lord. That he would walk with the Lord through the garden in the cool of the day. It reminds me of that that old song. You know, I go to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses and the voice I hear falling on my ears. The Son of God discloses and he walks with me and talks with me and he tells me I'm his own. And the joy that we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. Adam had the secret place. That, that quiet time walking with the Lord. Let me tell you this. That is what he needed. He didn't need this. That's why God said, you don't need that. Stay away from it. Actually, that's going to be a problem for you. He says, what you need, you have. Fellowship with me. Fellowship with me. Well, well then God said, well, you, you know what? There is one other thing that you do need. And so, so we get into that here. What are we? Verse 17? Verse 18. Then the Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. God says, you know, you've got that fellowship with me. There is something else that you need, though. You need to not be alone. You need another human being. You need fellowship with somebody else. Now, the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and the birds of the sky, and he brought them to the man to see what he would name them, and whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the, so the man gave names to all the livestock, to the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. They, they, you know, that, that, that was good. You know, there was a dog. It's man's best friend. But it wasn't, 
a suitable helper. It wasn't exactly what Adam needed. He needed fellowship with a, with a human being and specifically a woman. So the Lord God uh, caused the man to fall into a deep sleep and while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed it up, uh, closed up the place with flesh. And then the Lord God made a woman uh, from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he, and he brought her to the man. Now, then the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. Flesh, she shall be called, <laughs> say that seven times. Flesh, she shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. Verse 24. And that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and the two become one flesh and family begins. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Now we see agreement, unity, fellowship, beautiful fellowship, no shame, no shame between Adam and Eve, no shame between Eve and God, no shame between, between Adam and God, just fellowship. Freedom and fellowship. Right here we have abundant life, right? We've got, we've got purpose, freedom, and fellowship. And all of it is fine. As long as they leave the tree alone, and they don't need it. Leave that tree of the knowledge of good and evil alone. What you need is to walk with God through the garden in the cool of the day. What we need is the knowledge of God, not the knowledge of good and evil. And as long as they left that alone, there was fellowship with God, fellowship with one another, beautiful purpose, sweet freedom. But now the tempter comes into the picture. You know the story? Comes and, and, and deceives Adam and Eve, leads them astray, uh, causes there uh, to be doubt uh, so that they eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And when they eat of that tree, everything changes and shifts. All of a sudden, they recognize that they're naked and they're trying to clothe themselves the best way that they know how. They hear God moving through the garden in the cool of the day. They know the sound because they're used to walking with him. And instead of running to him for fellowship, they hide from him now. You see, separation has, has come. Adam and Eve have shifted and changed because they now have partaken of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And relationships are affected. Freedom is affected. Their, their intimacy with God is affected. And so now, there has to now come into the picture forgiveness. In, in order for things to be restored, there's got to be forgiveness. God has to forgive. They've got to receive. Let it flow through them. And as they have freely received, freely give and forgive. Receive it and give it. Forgiveness has to come back into the picture. The problem then is still the problem today. We we don't want God telling us what's good. 
We don't want God telling us what's evil. We want that for ourselves. We want to we wanna determine good and evil. We want to say, I, I know God that you said this, but I think this. I know you said this is bad, but I say it's good. I know you said this will destroy, but I say it'll bring life. I know you said that this should be marriage, but I say it's this. I know you say that, that, that this is what family is, but I say it's this. I know you say that this and this and this, but I say this and this and this, and I want to be like God, and I want to determine what is good, and I want to determine what is evil. And as we eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and we decide that for ourselves, that brings death, it brings destruction, it brings division, separation, it, it, it robs from us the abundant life that God has for us. And our only hope is to receive his forgiveness. Abandon that tree. Let forgiveness flow through us. And instead of eating with the tree, walk in the garden, in the cool of the day, with our Savior, with our God, with our King. Now, now the danger for Christians is we like a little bit of both. You see, you see what Peter does? He's like, I'm getting the forgiveness thing. I'm feeling you, right? But I don't totally love it, the, the no number. I think, I think it should have a number. I mean, it's your idea of forgiveness, but let's just, let's just, you know, eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil a little bit and let me put a number on it. So, so it becomes like this, we, we want like this, hybrid truth or this hybrid reality where, where we're eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and walking with God through the garden in the cool of the day. We'll take forgiveness, we'll put a number on it, and that'll make it right. I think that makes it right. Now, I'm going to forgive because you said it, you know, and I'm going to listen to you, but I'm also going to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Look at this thing, man. That fruit looks good. And by the way, it wasn't an apple. I see all the time on, on stuff, people are like, you know, they ate, Eve ate the apple. They, it never says an apple. I don't think it was an apple. You can eat an apple. Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat of it. We've got to leave that alone. Actually, I think we need to do a little bit more than that. We've got a tendency, each and every one of us, to try to hybrid God's knowledge with our own, with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and, and take Forgiveness, put a number on it, and make it something that we think it ought to be. That cannot be done. All that is, is eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That is you deciding what forgiveness should be. It's you deciding what truth should be. It's you saying, I'm taking a little of God and a little bit of my wisdom my worldly wisdom, because I know so much, I'm mixing it together, and I'm making it right, and all that does is divide, all that does is devour, all that does is destroy, all that does is, is play into the hands of the enemy, and it steals, it kills, it divides, separates, destroys, the same as if we just ate of it. 
We, we, we don't decide what forgiveness is. He does. And if he said it doesn't have a number, then it doesn't have a number. We don't make these kind of decisions. God said no, and he had to, because we can't do that. We can't handle that. And you certainly can't have both, where you're walking with the gar- through the garden with the cool of the day with the Lord and eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What happened to Adam and Eve? They were out of the garden. God put them out. He put a sword and a cherubim so that they could never go back. That, that walking with God in the garden, in the cool of the day, that, that fellowship, that relationship, that, that was changed and shifted and over until Jesus, hallelujah, wonder why we shout and sing and clap and praise, because now because of the blood of the Lamb, an all-sufficient sacrifice, the veil is rent, and I can come to Him and walk with him and talk with him and the joy we share as we tarry there none other has ever known. I can know God again and be known by God. But we can't have both. It's it's walking with God or it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There's not some kind of hybrid thing. And we, I, I think, I think in order for us to be the praying people we need to be, the united together people in agreement, a symphony that we need to be, we need to learn something from Jesus that he said we could do. I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, he said we could do this. And each and every one of us need to do it. I think we do maybe need to walk up to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I'm just pretending it's right here. And I think we need to curse it and say, I curse you, tree of knowledge of good and evil in my life. May you never bear fruit again. May you wither all the way down to the roots and die and be dead and gone. I will not look to you, I'll not eat from you, I'll not long from you, you do not exist, you are over and gone, and then we turn wholeheartedly to God, and we walk with Him, and have sweet fellowship with Him, and we learn from Him, and when we speak, we say, it is written, God has said this, this is what I will do. He said, forgive without a number, so I'm going to forgive without a number. He said, love and show it with your service, so I'm going to love and show it with my service. He said, bless your brothers and sisters and don't curse them, so I'm going to bless my brothers and sisters and don't curse them. He said, go to church. Hey, yeah. Hallelujah. I don't know if I'm going to go to church or not. You know, I think that's probably a good idea, but I think I'm just going to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil a little bit. I'm going to put a number on it. I'm going to do it when I want to. He said, man, when you look and see the day approaching, it's time to fellowship with the saints. It's time to be coming together with the people of God. So, so that's what I'm going to do. 
I'm going to draw near to God. I'm going to learn from him. I'm going to walk with him. I'm going to hear from him. And when we do the secret place and not the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, God's going to lead us and move through us. Faith is going to arise within us, and we're going to be together in agreement and be a symphony, a sound, a harmony that blesses him and his music to his ears. I don't know how you feel about all this. My encouragement to you would be you go up to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and you curse it in your life. And you call it to die. Jesus said we could do it. And it would wither and die all the way to the roots. So go do it. In your, in your authority, say it is written. Jesus said I could do it. And so I come to you tree and I curse you, and you wither in my life, and I'll not ever eat from you again because your fruit is gone. Will you pray with me? Maybe we can just go ahead and do that uh, right here this morning. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. Lord, you, you walked up to that fig tree, and, and you just don't do things. You're doing things to show us, to teach us, to instruct us. And, and, and you told that thing to wither, and it did. And the disciples, they said, how? And you said, don't worry about how. Here's what you need to know, is that you can do this also. So this morning, Lord, we hear your instruction. We recognize the incredible destructive danger of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we come up to it each and every one of us. I can't curse it for anybody else, but I can curse it for me. And I say, you wither and die in my life. I'll not eat from you. There'll be no fruit. All the way to your roots, you be gone in the mighty name of Jesus. I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to walk with him and talk with him and have sweet fellowship with him. I'm receiving his forgiveness. I'm going to let it flow out of me. And I'm going to live according to what God says. You, Lord, are going to be my source. All I need is, is you and to hear what you say. Help me, Lord, to walk with you, to listen to you, to have sweet fellowship with you. And as I do, Lord, let it lead to fellowship with my brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, we pray that you'd bring togetherness, that you'd bring unity to the family, that you'd bring unity to the church, that, that the family would be individuals that, that walked with you and, and don't eat from the tree, and that they'd be together in agreement, a sound, a symphony, making beautiful music to your ears. And when they pray, They'd pray in faith, and they'd pray in unity, and things would move and shift and change. Lord, I pray for the church that, the, that the, the days of division would come to an end, that you would unite us in agreement, in sweet, beautiful togetherness, in harmony, a symphony. Lord, lead us to forgive as you have forgiven and as we have been forgiven. 
Lead us to love and to bless and to be at peace and in agreement so that we are making a beautiful sound, a harmonious one that brings blessing to you and is music to your ears. And Lord, when we pray together, let it come out of agreement and faith. And when we pray, Lord, we pray that we'd pray according to your will and things would shift and change and move. We believe that our prayers are powerful, that our prayers are effective. Lord, lead us, we pray in Jesus' name to curse this tree and let it wither and die. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed, this morning, if you've not trusted Jesus as Savior and Lord, but you'd like to do that, today is the day of salvation. I just ask you to raise your hand. I just want to pray for you. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. If you're watching online or listening to the podcast, you want to come to Jesus and give Him your heart, your life. You want to receive His forgiveness, His salvation, and make Him Lord and Savior. Would you just pray with me? We're going to pray as a church. Everyone just repeat after me, and, and you can pray right where you are listening or watching. You pray with us, and just make Jesus the Lord of your life. Just pray this. You can repeat after me. Pray this from your heart. If, if you want to change it a little bit, uh, change it. Make it yours. Just pray this and open your life and make Jesus your king. Pray with me, will you? Lord Jesus, I believe that you are freedom, that you are abundant life, and that in you, Jesus, is everything I need. I receive your salvation, your forgiveness. I open up my heart and ask you to be my Savior and my Lord. Lead me all the days of my life. Lead me in truth. Lead me in freedom. Lead me in my purpose. Lead me in forgiveness. Help me be the person that you have created and called me to be. In Jesus' mighty name I pray, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, thank the Lord for His presence and for His Word. Uh, Y'all have a great day. Enjoy the, the uh, beautiful sunshine. Uh, and uh, as you have freely been forgiven, freely forgive. And pray, pray in faith and pray in togetherness. God bless. See you next week.